listening to sermons from South Point McDonough, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God, to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpoint.org. So as we transition, move into the book of Luke, we've been in Luke for several months. And here's what I want to think about first. Have you ever thought, man, I wish I would have invested in something sooner. I wish I would have invested maybe even before the pandemic started. Who, who would have loved to have invested in Zoom? Because many of us, it was like, ah, I've heard of that. Maybe my work uses it occasionally. I would have loved to invest all 40 of my dollars in Zoom. Like it would have been awesome. Uh, I would, you know... Uh, maybe even Uber uh, several years ago. It's like, yeah, people are going to bring food to my house or, uh, you know, with Uber Eats or I'm going to get into a car with a stranger. That doesn't really sound normal. So for us, we're like, ah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about this. But thinking back, oh, man, I would, cryptocurrency. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago. I would have loved in 2010 when I first heard about it and watched this weird documentary on cryptocurrency. I'm like, man, these people, this is never going to work. Never. When, you know, Bitcoin was just... Uh, pennies. <laughs> I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that. And then this morning I could have been on my island and uh, y'all could have been zooming me in. It would have been awesome. Um, th- maybe you know this story, but um, Blockbuster was actually offered Netflix. And so Netflix uh, came to Blockbuster and they said, uh, sorry, it was Redbox. Redbox came to Blockbuster and they said, they said, hey, uh, we want to, we have this idea about picking up these, these DVD rentals, you know, in these, in these boxes. People can go there quickly, get them. They can watch things online. They can eventually stream these things. And Blockbuster's like, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I think that we're going to, uh, I think we're going to keep having these stores up everywhere. Now, there's literally one blockbuster left in America, and it looks like a good, there's actually a really good documentary about that, which you probably cannot buy a blockbuster. Um, but we think, man, that would have been awesome if, if blockbuster would have just had a little bit of foresight, if we would have known how big Zoom would have been or cryptocurrencies or all these different. So this morning, when we look at this passage, which is really strange, I'm glad my sermon time is short because this passage is like, what, what's really going on here? We have, this, we have this dishonest manager and Jesus is like, hey, good work. Yeah. It's like, well, what are we supposed to do with these unrighteous riches? I don't really, I don't really know what's going on with this. Big point is this, is that somewhere... We are storing for ourselves treasure. We are storing for ourselves. And so you're either planning in the immediate for the here and now, or you're planning now for the future. And so this morning, we have this wonderful truth of what is happening. And Jesus is telling us right here through his word. And Luke is telling, uh, he's, he's telling us, the church here this morning, he's saying, there is something else that's coming down the pipe. Invest in that That's going to be way more valuable in the future, way more valuable. So don't invest in the immediate. So we pick up here in Luke chapter 16, and we looked at uh, chapter 15, most of that last weekend between Good Friday and Easter. But in Luke chapter 16, and and Gwyneth just read that, can we just give a hand to Gwyneth? I know we want it. That was awesome. Yeah, good job. Uh, That's taxing. But the, the thing we see here in these first nine verses, in this story that Jesus tells in this parable, we see that your treasure is either in the present or it's in the future. It's either in the present or it's in the future. And so we have this manager here, and he is on the verge of losing his job. 
And this, maybe your, your translation says steward. It's the same kind of thing. It's uh, somebody who's responsible for the riches and the wealth of the owner. And so this steward, he's been bad. He's losing his job. Look at verse number three with me, if you would. And the manager said to himself, man, I'm about to, uh, I'm about to lose my job. What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig. And I am too ashamed to beg. In other words, he's saying, my, my manicured hands, my, my soft life, uh, you know, I, this is extra moisturized. I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. To, I can't do real work. So notice what he does. Verse number four, I have decided what to do so that when I remove from my management, people may receive me into their houses. He says, okay, so I'm going to go and I'm going to take the accounts of these folks. It's insider trading. He says, just so you know, everything's about to hit the fan. And he pulls a Martha Stewart and he says, okay, so verse number five, so summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And that guy said a hundred measures of oil, pretty decent amount of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. So he gives this guy a buy one, get one free coupon. Verse number seven, he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. So that's a lot more money, hundreds of thousands of dollars um, in, our, in our currency. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. So he gives him a 20% discount. Now we would think, why, why is Jesus like, okay, he's about to blow this guy up. Like, yeah, this is wrong. This guy shouldn't be doing this. But notice what the master says in verse number eight. Notice also, this isn't Jesus saying, yes, we should all do this. You know, we just finished tax season. Yeah, try to get that, you know, uh, wiggle your way around the law. No, get your taxes as low as you possibly can. Just do it legally. But notice what the master says here in verse number eight. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He commended him. The master doesn't say, thank you so much for helping me to lose all this money. He doesn't say what you did was filled with integrity he says, what you did was filled with ingenuity. So every parable has usually at least one point. This parable has just one point, okay? So let's not read into, okay, so how do, how do we apply verse four by itself to our lives? How do we take verse five and out of context and we can't allegorize every single thing? That's why this parable is so weird. It's so strange. If you want to go read some commentaries on it, help yourself. They're in my office back here. But just know the, the one main point of this parable, the one thing that Jesus is trying to communicate is that this man was resourceful. He was ingenuitive. That's the one thing that he's saying. Notice in verse number nine, or verse number eight, he, uh, he commends him for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world, notice we have here two things, the sons of this world, and secondly, they're more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So he's saying here there are two different sons. One is of this world. One is the sons of light. This is an easy contrast and comparison here to those who are unbelievers and to those who are believers. Those of this world's kingdom, those of Christ's kingdom. Notice in verse number nine what he says. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. It's like, okay, so are we, are we making money unrighteously? Notice what he's saying. We have this comparison. Sons of this world, sons of light. And he commends the sons of this world because they are using the resources of this world, what he calls right here, unrighteous wealth. In other words, he's saying, I'm not talking about the kingdom to come right here. I'm not saying, hey, take the riches of heaven. He's saying, take the riches of this world in the same way that the sons of this world do and use them utilize them well. They use their resources way better than you as sons of light do. So he's saying, while you are in this world, take your treasure and store it up for the future. 
Look ahead. Use what you have. Be shrewd about your decision-making. He's not saying for, clar- for clarity's sake. He's not saying make money dishonestly. He's not saying make money unrighteously. He's saying be shrewd, be wise, be kingdom shrewd in the way that you're using everything at your disposal. And specifically, he's talking here about money, cash, dollars, uh, cash and coins that we have all at our disposal. He finishes the end of verse number nine. Make friends so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Notice Jesus doesn't say, if your money all runs out, if your money fails, he says, not if, but when. Because eventually what you have here on this earth, the resources that you've been given, they are going to be over. For whatever reason, maybe it's because the stock market crashes. Maybe it's because you made a poor investment. Maybe it's because you lost your job. But eventually for all of us, we are going to die. The riches that we have in this world, they are going to be over. And so Jesus says, you as sons of light, take those principles that the sons of the earth use so well. Use your money, your dollars for the sake of the kingdom so that when life is over, he says, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. In other words, make friends that are going to welcome you into heaven. Invest in other folks' souls. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's the point that Jesus is making here. So your treasure is either in the present or it's in the future. Then we see secondly, verse number 10. And Jesus here helps to define and explain and apply this parable. Uh, In verses 10 through uh, 13, he says this, that your, your master is either God or it's your money. Those are the two options here. Your master is either God or it's your money. Verse number 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. And for many of us, this applies not just to money, but it applies to things of the church. And for many of us, we're like, man, I, I want more responsibility. I want more power. I want to I stand and teach and preach. And, and I want to have, uh, have shepherding responsibility over people's souls. I get this a lot. And and that's where we see that Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, make sure that your house is in order. Make sure that your soul is in order. Make sure that you are following Jesus well, and people are going to follow you. He says, begin there, in these areas that seem so mundane. And for so many of us, we think, oh, man, if I could just have that position, if I could just have uh, that title, then I would start following Jesus better. He says here, no, to whom much is given, much is required, And that is because you were faithful in just a very little. So be faithful with your family. Be faithful in your study of God's word. Be faithful in your neighborhood. And then Christ will give you more. Verses 11 and 12, notice what he says. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So follow me here. He says, eventually you are going to be co-heirs with Christ. And everything in this world, we are going to rule and reign and own those things with Christ. So how can you think that Christ is going to give you his kingdom if you are not being faithful with what is not yours here and now? These are really hard words, friends, really hard words. But he says, right now, be faithful in the small things. Christ has given you just a piece, just a sliver of this. Be faithful in that because one day we're going to be with him, co-reigning, co-heiring with him. Verse number 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
you cannot serve God in money. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you shouldn't serve God in money. He says you can't. It is literally impossible. Either our money is king or Christ is king. Every financial decision that we make is a stewardship decision. It's a kingdom-minded decision. Every time we spend money, we're declaring who or what we worship. Are we, are we being stewards of the resources that we have, or are we using those unrighteously? Because the way that we handle money has eternal significance tied to it. That, that, don't hear me. I'm not saying, okay, we'll take this week's paycheck and give it to the church. Take every week's paycheck and just give it away. I think that'd be awesome. I mean, Jesus says that other places. We're going to see that here in a couple of weeks. But what that does mean is that we can invest dollars, and there are really good things that money buys. We need to buy food, medication, clothing, housing. We need to provide for our kids. We, we can provide all of these things. But brother or sister, don't think for a minute that you can buy your happiness in the here and now and sacrifice eternal pleasure with Jesus Christ. Because our hearts have been claimed by Christ alone, and money is an enemy, and it is a formidable enemy. It is a fierce competitor to what Christ has already claimed as our hearts and our lives. You cannot serve both of these things. Jesus says you must pick, because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But then we keep going. If we look at verse number 14, we see that your hope is either in good work or it's in good news. And we have the Pharisees here who are always just kind of lingering around. We love these guys. The Pharisees who were lovers of money. So again, Jesus, this parable about this steward is not just random. This, uh, this explanation of it, about being faithful is not just random. He says here, the Pharisees, and Luke calls them out as, who were lovers of money, heard all of these things, and they ridiculed him. They loved their, their money so much that they, that word ridiculed literally means it turned their noses up at Jesus. They loved their money so much. And Jesus just got through saying, you can't serve both. That the Pharisees were really good at convincing people that they were holy. They even believed their own hype. But the last thing that the Pharisees wanted was for the kingdom to come now. They were building their own kingdom. It was all about them. He says the, the Pharisees were lovers of money. He said, this was an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. And for many of us, how would we say, oh, man, yeah, I, I kind of like money, but I, I probably don't love it. What would Jesus say when he looked at our lives? Where would he say that our heart is? Where would he say that our treasure is? Is it in the immediate? Is it in the here and now? Or are we using the resources that we have here on earth? What he calls unrighteous wealth. It's, it's going to, it comes and it goes. It's going to eventually and it's going to fade away. Are we using that for the sake of eternity? The, the Pharisees here, they're not. They're lovers of money. Verse 15, and he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. He knows your hearts. He knows where the strongest leaning and pull and desire of your heart is. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So we say, well, just, just trust your heart. Just rely on your heart. Friends, don't use your heart as an excuse because your heart is wicked. It is evil. The good news is that the kingdom people here, keep, keep going. Here's the good news. So the Pharisees, we would say, this is good works. 
Look good in front of people, but here's the good news. Verse 16, the law and the prophets were until John. This is Jesus speaking to them. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. And we've seen this already with the narrow door, this squeezing into it. Literally, this translation means here, it means you are strenuously urged to enter this. He says there's something better than the here and now. It's the kingdom of God for all time. That's the good news. It's not about the way you look in front of people. It's about your heart. Run to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Give him your heart. The issue is not what you do on the outside with your money. The issue is the fact that Jesus wants your heart. And when he has your heart, he's going to transform the way that you live. He's going to transform your generosity. He's going to transform your ability to fight sin or to fight addiction. These things that he calls an abomination. We aren't to make excuses for these things, for these abominations. Oh, well, he was just born with, oh, there's family history. That's just his preference. Uh, that's just, he, he can't really help that. You know, that's just, wait. no, he calls that an abomination. But we want to run to Christ because in him there is hope. Not in the fact that we can change. Not that we can become unabominated, if that's a word, in his sight. But we run to Jesus so that we can find life and that we can find forgiveness. In him there is hope and in him only. He says, so the door is here. Press into it. Run to him. Look to Jesus. And then we have this weird last verse on divorce. And it's like, okay, well, why, why is this here? And I don't have time, thankfully, uh, to go into a, a complete expose of what he is talking about here with divorce. But here's the point I want to, want to make, is that your faithfulness is either consistent or it is fake. Your faithfulness. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I get that, but just give me the details of divorce. Can I, can I get divorced or not? You know, what if, what if or not? Can I just say, is your heart one that is pursuing faithfulness or is it not? Jesus is speaking here of the overflow of that heart. And you see, the Pharisees, they sought to undermine marriage. They, they used wealth for their own goods, for their own pleasure, for their own satisfaction. And they would actually, if you came to the Pharisees and you said, um, hey, my wife, she burned literally. This was, you can look up uh, the, this Pharisaical rabbinical laws, the most religious people. If you say, uh, my wife burned my food. Well, I guess you can divorce her. You could do that. My, my wife, she's not as attractive as she used to be. That was grounds for divorce. My wife is kind of annoying. Her, the, the, you know, the pitch of her voice is just kind of shrill. Divorce. Boom. That's what the Pharisees would say. There was no forgiveness. There was no love. There was no grace. Jesus says here, no, consider your heart. It's not about, hey, what, what's my decision over here? Can I get divorced or can I not? He says, what is the issue of your heart? Are you being faithful or are you not? Jesus in context is saying, steward your possessions and steward your relationships. Use them, not for the here and now, for your immediate gratification, but for the sake of eternity. And friend, I would warn you this morning, don't think that your soul is safe and you have stewarded your soul well if you are not stewarding your resources and your relationships well. Because Jesus is saying, this is about your heart. And so if your life is one just a full-on abomination, whether people know about it or not, God knows. God knows. So where is your heart? Because where your treasure is, what is most valuable to you, that's where your heart is. So consider your heart. We can't fool God. One day we're going to stand before him and give an account. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying this in a pharisaical way. Hey, um, Make sure you just do all the right things. No, consider your heart. But we're going to stand before God and we're going to give account 
of our resources and of our relationships. And imagine standing before God and him saying, look at these things that I provided for you, and you squandered them away. May that not be so. May it not be. Let us be faithful. I have five questions for you, uh, and then we'll close. Here are the five questions. First, how are you stewarding relationships in your home, in this church, and in our community? Either you're acting as an owner, and these are for you, and you get to say yes or no to them, or you are a steward. You are this understudy, this under-shepherd, and you're being faithful to the Lord who owns these. Secondly, and you can take a picture at the end. All five of these will be up here if you want to discuss these uh, with your family or with your life group. Secondly, do you worship your money or do you worship with your money? You're doing one or the other, according to Jesus. The dollar bill says, uh, in God we trust, but often we turn that into, in this God we trust. So what are you doing with your resources? The third question, what is the deep idol that your money serves? Because for many of us, you're like, I don't, I don't worship money, but we're spending our money on things that give us status, that give us pleasure, that give us fame or beauty, that give us some sort of identity, that give us, so maybe you're like, I don't spend that much money, I'm just, I just save it. Why are you saving it, friend? Well, for a rainy day, I, I'm saving it for something happens. And that's good, but are you saving it for the sake of security? rather than using it and investing it now, the security that you're providing for yourself. So, so consider the heart behind the way that you're spending and using your money. Fourthly, if Jesus were to set your budget, what would be different in that budget? This one, this question stinks. I wrote this down, I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to, I don't want to answer this question. If you consider your money, if you say, well, here's my money, and I'll give some to Jesus. If you consider that your money, you're already in trouble. Lastly, have you soberly considered that God knows your heart and cannot be fooled? That's what I want us to consider this morning. From that, the way that we use our resources and relationships will flow but where are you tricking yourself? Where are you tricking others? You cannot fool God. Friend, turn to Jesus this morning. If you're looking for satisfaction in something else, turn to Jesus. Stop hiding. In him you find forgiveness. He is generous. He's not stingy. He wants to pour out his love and his grace and his mercy on you, not condemnation, not wrath. That was put on Jesus Christ on the cross. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose again so that you could find satisfaction and hope and life in his kingdom. Our God is one who is a giver, not a taker. On the cross, he doesn't give you just a 50% discount or a 20% discount because Jesus sacrificed his whole body. His blood was shed, his body is broken so that God the Father could look at our bill and then not say, oh, you owe a little bit less, but it says paid in full. It says paid in full. Our relationship with God the Father has been restored because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he beckons you, he strenuously urges you to turn to him, to repent, to find hope in him. Invest in eternity today. Don't end up like Blockbuster. Say, oh man, I wish I would have. Wouldn't that have been awesome? 
we get the opportunity to remember what Jesus Christ has done, to repent of our sin, to turn back to him, and to rejoice that we have all of the riches in heaven, namely the finished work of Jesus Christ added to our account. Amen? We celebrate that tangibly each and every week in this meal that we call communion. His body was broken, so we have these pieces of bread. The, the juice represents his blood, his righteousness that covers us. This does not save you. This is a tangible reminder of hopefully what is happening in your life and in your soul. It's a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's a reminder that we often want to live in this kingdom of the world. We want to be these sons of the world, but he calls us to be sons of light. And in the light, there is life. So step into that light this morning where nothing is hidden. This is for those of us, those of us who are believers, those who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. So step into the light this morning. Repent. And if you never have, put your faith and your hope in Christ and him alone. And come and see me afterwards. I would love to hear that good news. So family, this invitation is open for us who are in Christ. So join me now, if you would.